Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Politrix Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten, and I just wanted to let you know that the next episode you're about to listen to, episode 38, was recorded a few weeks back, so um, keep that in mind and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Kirsten, and I've got my lovely co-host. Hey, it's Noriaya, your liberal lobbyist. Yeah, I didn't, today I didn't want to say my, I, didn't, I don't have a name today. You know, I go through all these different names. Today I'm just Kirsten. So no, no name. Kirsten is no, that's, no. That's a rarity. Yeah. That's, I know, I know. Today I want it to be different. Um, and today we're on episode... 37 it's politics podcast and we have a special guest Nora do you want to introduce our guest yes this is my good good friend um Paul Thomas one of the partners at uh, a firm um and he is a guru slash Jedi on all things politics in New York he's from the South Bronx (laughs) um and he has you know I would say some of the most unique opinions um, and cares deeply and passionately about people in New York City and especially Black people. So I thought he'd be a great co-host. Yes. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, to your audience, just want to say well wishes and prayers during this time as we continue to work through this unfortunate, unfortunate pandemic. And, you know, it's been hard on all our families. It's been hard individually. So I just want to offer my prayers. Uh, to your audience and thank you for having me oh thank you I, we we appreciate that and I, I know our audience appreciates that as well we have some Amen. we have some people that listen to us and they're always you know sending me messages like when are you guys coming back what's taking you guys so long I'm like, oh, <laughs> we've been taking hiatus I think it's also because of COVID um I don't know about you um Nora but it's just so hard to like sit down and like have these conversations, you know what I mean? And as much as I'm having these conversations, just to sit, set aside time to talk about this stuff, I just get like a rumbling in my stomach. I just feel like it's just so, it's it's hap- like, it's almost like everything we talked about is happening, you know what I mean? I know, I know, it's, like, it's very heavy. You think that COVID, during this time during COVID, would it make us more human? And, you know, initially, the first three weeks, you know, we were all in this together. (laughs) As April rolled on and into May, you know, things unraveled. Mm -hmm. Um, And right now, and especially in communities of color, Black communities, Harlem, Bronx, Brownsville, Bed-Stuy, East New York, Chicago, Philly, Mm -hmm. in our urban centers, it's on fire. It's on fire. And, you know, um, you know, the topic of discussion tonight is, you know, what do we do about it? You know, what are the variables that are leading to this horrific violence? And mm-hmm. it's time to have hard conversations. Yeah. And I think today, I mean, I, I just, I mean, um, Paul kind of uh, gave you guys a preview of what we're going to be talking about. Um, but I think it's important to have these discussions. Um, we're going to be talking about, um, I hate the term, um, I hate saying the term, but it seems to be the, cl- the term that is 
always, you know, viewed. <laughs> Makes me crazy. From the media, from the 19, I think from all the 1980s till 2020, I've heard this, this term. And now social media has adopted it. And, you know, every time something happens in, um, in society, we're, we're hit with um, black, the, the, the term, you know, what about black on black crime? So um, we're going to just, can that. we pause there? Yeah. What please. about black on black crime? Right. I just, I just want people just to understand that like we're having this conversation as people within the community. Um, we're doing the hard work of addressing it, but by no means does that mean um, are we going to be disregarding the work and the efforts of the black lives matter movement and everything that has been going on that has led up to this conversation is often because it's a rebuttal um, to the Black Lives Matter movement. So um, I just think that that is something why kind of like how it got unearthed was we kept hearing it and kept hearing it and was like, we should talk about it. So Let's just to give context to the audience, yeah. Yep, great, thank you. Thank you, Nanda, I appreciate that. And let's get into it, you ready to politic? Ready to politics. Let's do it. All right. So inner cities like Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Atlanta have seen um, a rise in violence since um, the 4th of July. Hence the uptick of the snarky post, um, what about black on black crime? Why aren't you protesting about that? Um, is that a fair assessment to the, the term or the idea of uh, what's going on and why we're not, um, why the news is not paying as much attention as they were paying to uh, the protests and the riots. Do you think that um, black on black crime deserves to be a platform on, um, you know, all of our attention? What do you guys well, think? Well, I, I take the first crack at it. Let's remove the media, right, or move uh, the, the CNNs of the world, the CSNBCs of the world, the Foxes of the world. Let's talk about social media, right? And unfortunately, you look at your friend's posts, you don't see them posting about a one-year-old child getting killed in Bronzeville. Mm -hmm. You don't see a post of a father walking his six-year-old daughter in the Bronx on University Avenue and having his life taken. Mm -hmm. You don't see a, a call to action where you have nine black men during the course of a July 4th weekend in New York City mm -hmm. lose their lives to gun violence. You don't see that call of action. So unfortunately, when a black man or a black woman life is taken by a member of the law enforcement community, rightfully so, is a cause to action. But when a black man or a black woman or a black child or a black grandmother, life mm -hmm. is taken at the hands of gun violence, of urban gun violence, and nine times out of 10, the perpetrators, the black man, there's no call to action by us. So it's not so much the media, there's no call to action in the same way when, again, a person, a black person, life is taken by in the law enforcement community, there's a great call to action. And I think, but be. I think, right, as there should be, but I think that's also because 
the rate at which black people are killed by the police and oftentimes police most times are never convicted right if they're mm -hmm. even charged so i think the uprising and the whole movement was about accountability and justice and mm -hmm. oftentimes when a black person is killed by another black person in whatever community they're usually found convicted and put into prison, right? Thus mass incarceration, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think like, I don't wanna miss that point of why the movement starts is because when we're asking if our lives have value and if they matter, I think it's not so much to each other and you guys can chime in on that, but more so like to society, to this country, when we can get killed by the police, the ones that are supposed to protect and serve us and they not have any accountability on the back end. I think your point is valid, but I think that that's why there's that like upheaval and that that movement in social media because of the lack of of convictions. I mean, well, for for me, it's not about the outcome of the tragedy where we have black on black violence. It's the loss of life, and the loss of life. If you are a black person, and I, I live in the Bronx, I grew up. Uh, I live not too far from where I grew up at in the South Bronx. If you continuously see brothers and sisters die to the surge, how it doesn't move your spirit, how it doesn't make you frustrated, it doesn't make you angry or as angry or as frustrated when a member of the law enforcement community takes the life of one of our own. And personally for me, that's my frustration. Mm -hmm. That's my hurt because when, again, when we have a inappropriate act, not inappropriate act, but when a member of the law enforcement community, a cop takes the life of a black person, is a call of action. And, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of us, we become numb to the violence that is in our neighborhood. And, you know, nor, you know, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, well, usually that person is gonna to go to jail. It's, it's not about the, again, the outcome, the, the prosecution, it's what could we have done as a village right. to prevent so, that loss of life? So I hear, um, I kind of feel like I, I fit in the middle of this conversation because I kind of feel like we're forgetting, a, we're forgetting one fundamental thing. Um, black people in history um, have been traumatized, right? In their communities by, you know, white people, um, by even black people themselves, their community. And there's a lot of mental, um, I guess the word is there's there's we we have there's a reckoning of mental therapy that is ne is necessary for people of color, and I feel like the trauma that that black people live under every single day affects the way they take in information, news, and things that they can kind of get outraged about. Um, I do want to say that it's not necessarily true that we that when we hear about a a black uh, black person's death that you know we're not as we're not just as outraged i think it's it becomes more of a we're so fed up it's just you don't even know where to you can't even express the the 
because you, you know it's almost like the ignorance is, has, has taken over and you, there's nothing that you can do to fix this. It feels almost like it's like, it's out of our hands. It's above us now, you know what I mean? And unfortunately it isn't, but that's just a lot from, from what I gathered, you know, in the hip hop community, we lose um, artists, you know, at an alarming rate to gun violence, at alarming rate. Artists that are so, so talented. We did a podcast episode about one of them um, um, and, uh, gosh, why is he forgetting? Um, California Hustle. Um, what's his, what's his name? Oh my God, I'm losing his name. Um, what's his name? Hustle? Oh, Nipsey Hustle. Nipsey Hustle. Nipsey. Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you hear about these stories and I think it's because of the conditions that they live in. And one of the things that concern me is not necessarily the fact that we're, we're, there isn't an outrage because I, I see the outrage. I see it in my family. I see it with my friends. We're, we're outraged, you know, I even mm-hmm. see it on social media. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is not particularly a, like, it's still a black person, you know, but um, there is a death uh, in, in the Bronx um, not too long ago. I think it was last year when um, it was a violent, violent death. He, um, his name was junior. Um, he was yep. a, Dominican yeah, kid. Dominican um, pulled out of the, the bodega, yeah. stabbed. Oh, ooh, it gives me chills yeah. when I think about it. that. Yeah. I mean, that death, I mean, I remember I literally shed tears from that. Like just watching it, maybe because it was just, you saw the whole death and you saw how this kid was just like, you could tell he was like, what is going on? Why am I getting attacked like this? And I saw the whole community put their, you know, embrace this kid. Mm-hmm. Now you mm-hmm. might say this is oh, a, 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 um, his Latin ex you know, um, person, or you might say it's, he's not, you know, uh, a traditional black American, but I also see black Americans too. I mean, whenever we lose one of our own, our artists, whenever we lose, you know, a friend, you know, there, there's visuals, there's things that happen. It's not like it's just business as usual, you know? So I do want to put that out there. So you, you made a couple of points. When you talked about mental health and mm-hmm. God knows we need more mental health services, <laughs> Uh, in our communities as we deal with generational trauma. Right? Wait, can I just, can I cut you off? Do you remember when it was like a, a thing like, oh, black people don't get need help, need mental Oh my help. God, yeah. And it's like, me? it's the actual opposite. Like, it's almost like, no, we need it more than ever, than anybody. To this because day, it yes. still has some no, of that. Right? We have to stop that stigma. It depends on the circle you're in, honestly. The stigma True. still exists. True. And, you know, All education. Right. You know, the more education you have, the more you're exposed to, and the more, you know, you have access to in terms of resources and embracing different parts of life. But again, I wanted to mention the three points that uh, you just uh, noted, Kristen. You mentioned mental health and having access to mental health services and the need for it. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned this frustration of just throwing up your hands and like, I don't know where to start. And the same way we demand reform in the law enforcement community, and you're starting to see those reforms finally happen and rightfully so, we gotta demand hood reform. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. it, it, there's what no does that look longer, like? well, I'm, I'm gonna get to that. It, it, it can't be, well, it's the hood, what do you expect? It's challenging 
is challenging ourselves for those who have made a career is us going back and being a part of the solution and not everybody has to work in a nonprofit. Not everybody has to do 80 hours of service, but we could be in a space of philanthropy. All summer, I was seeing posts on social media, black excellence, black excellence, black excellence. Well, that black excellence need to reinvest in our hoods. Mm. And there's a lot of Sundays that we enjoy during the normal times. We enjoy and spend $200 on a Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. Blow, blow it away. Love a what good brunch, honey. Love, <laughs> bottomless. Bottomless mimosas. Bottomless. And then after brunch, we go to another spot and have like okay. a nightcap. Okay. Before, you know, some dinner. The day is done. <laughs> yeah. Some good times, right? Yeah, yeah. But what if, if we, like, that $300 that you're going to spend on Sunday, mm-hmm. we split that up at $150 mm-hmm. and send it to a nonprofit that is doing the work in our communities. Okay. You know, so when you speak to, well, how do we get involved? How do we reform? How do we give back? You know, again, it's not about doing 80 hours of community service or 40 or 20 hours of community service. It's finding your lane and contributing. And I think, but I think some are, but not enough are doing it. Yeah. I think that's, that's rough. Sorry. I just think that that's rough. I mean, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I love the idea of hood reform. I think that's even a great just hashtag um, social media. But I think the reason why it feels overwhelming is because, like, the more you know sometimes, the more depressing it can become. Like, when you know history, when you know what this country was founded on, when you know about redlining, when you know about, you know, the lack of jobs in the hood, when you know about how they divested in education in the hood, when you mm-hmm. know about food insecurity and all these other things, it's kind of like all these things compounded together, how do we begin to move it when a lot of these were state and federal sanctioned laws that happened that got us to where we are now. So it can feel like, it can feel almost like a mountain, you know, that we have. Um, And I think that's where some of that like idea, especially if you're from the hood, it's like, I made it out the hood and I want to pull back and get other people out the hood, but no one's really talking about investing in the hood, right? Look at the Jay-Z's, look at the others, like, no one's living in Marcy projects right now. No one's going back, you know, unless you're Cory Booker trying to run for office. So I think, I think that that's something that should be talked about. Jay-Z said, Jay-Z once said, this is not the, the Jay-Z of today, but the Jay-Z of, of yesterday said that, why, cause someone said, why don't you like put your money in and like do, redo the Marcy projects and his, um, his exact, or no, I can't even say exact. I don't remember exactly the quote in his, but he said, we don't. you know, once you fix it up, it gets messed up again. You know, so um, he he rather divests his funds. Of, in and the current Jay Z said, we don't own it, right? So why are that's, we gonna be that's investing true. and trying to protect the block and be so proud yeah. of our hoods that we don't even own, right? Or the mar- but, or the projects or the projects, right. like well, you know. But we, if you own it, I'm sorry. Regardless if you own it or not, again, I grew up in night housing and I grew up where I saw my neighbors throw stuff out the window I grew up with neighbors that pissed in the hallways Mm -hmm. so you may not own it but respect it yeah so like nobody's telling Jay-Z 
to redevelop Marcy Project, but I'm quite sure he's done in the past or doing currently, but can we do beautification projects like flowers? Can we get a new paint job in the community centers or the cornerstones uh, uh, that are in NYCHA housing? If we know that a particular development is lacking lighting, can we, we got GoFundMe's for everything else. Mm -hmm. Can we use our capital to pull together mm -hmm. to make it a little safer? But why do you think that's something that has to happen outside of NYCHA? Like, why can't the community take it, take care of themselves as a whole? And and I and I by no means mean it in a um, you know patronizing way, but more so. I mean, I re I was reading this. I was reading um, Dapper Dan's book, and um, he talks about Harlem and how mm -hmm. in the 1940s and 50s you can literally leave the door open in Harlem. Right? It was that safe. You left the brick door in front of the door so people can come in and out of the front door and there was no problems. Your doors were unlocked. It was never, it wasn't safe. It was, it was always safe. And then as time progressed and the drugs started heroin in the sixties uh, and then, and then seventies and then uh, the, all the other drugs, cocaine and then crack in the eighties. Um, the question is what, why can't he, he, he recounts, people being very, it was a community, like Mrs. So-and-so needs some sugar, bring it down to her. Oh, um, Mrs. Mr. So-and-so lost his job, bring the, bring the family a plate of food. Why does it have to come from outside? Why can't we do it from inside? I mean, that's well, something it, that I'm, I'm, I'm even wondering. It's not, about, it's not about outside, it's about us, right? Mm -hmm. So I went after grad school, I lived in Harlem for since, about 12 years and I moved back to the Bronx because it's changing mm -hmm. and I want to be a part of that change. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about gentrification, gentrification doesn't necessarily mean white people coming back or coming in. Gentrification means I'm blessed in my career. I mm -hmm. can reinvest in my community. Mm -hmm. I can be a role model mm -hmm. of a, a young man going to work every day, doing the right thing, living a, a healthy lifestyle. Right. I could be a part of my community. And it's, it's not about looking towards government. It's not about looking towards others. It's about looking towards us who are but successful what about in life. The but what about the community? Because I feel like there's some ownership there too that we were, mm -hmm. we're, we may not be, see, we're, not, we're kind of skipping over. Um, mm -hmm. the, the fact that the community, like I said, if Mrs. So-and-so needs some sugar, we're sending it down there. If Mr. So-and-so loses his job, the neighbors next door bring a plate of food to the family. Why, why are we forgetting about like the communal aspect that well, project, I think, I mean, a lot of these people who live in the projects have been there for generations. So they do know each other. It is a very, it's, yeah. you know, it's not like, it's like, we don't know the neighbors we've known. We've lived here for 30 years. My grandmother lived here. My great grand, like it's, it's where do, where's their accountability there though? I, 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 I ask. You, you have some of that. You have that. You have tenant associations. Uh, right. Ms. Johnson, who was a worker, God bless her, who was a worker when I was a kid, she was like a, a, a godmother. I was saying not a godmother, but a grandmother uh, mm -hmm. to, to me. So you have that sense of community. You have that sense of people looking out for each other, mm -hmm. but their resources are limited, right? Some of the education, 
is limited. You know, they can't necessarily help you fill out a college application. They don't have those resources. But I think it's incumbent upon us who are from these communities, who care about these communities, mm-hmm. need to invest in our community. And I remember mm-hmm. having a conversation with uh, Nora a couple of weeks ago. It's not the mayor's responsibility. Yeah. It's not, it's not celebrities' responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it got to be us. If you like to call right. ourselves the village, if you like to say catchphrases, you know, the culture, mm-hmm. the tribe, mm-hmm. well, we got to take care of our tribe. Yeah, and I mean, everybody you, you, in that tribe is doing well. You said something that was interesting because I've always heard this. Whenever I, I mean, I remember my first time going to a project building and uh, visiting a friend of mine, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like it was, it was. I was younger. I was like, "Whoa!" You know, because um, thank God I was able to. You know, my parents had. I, I grew up in a, you know, um, Upper West Side. And I got to own see it, girl, own the it. world. You know what? It's funny because it's like saying it, you know, it's like, oh God, I, sometimes I don't want to, people is like, oh, she, what does she have to say? But I, I experienced everything, you know, I experienced the world, I've traveled mm-hmm. the world, I've experienced, you know, I've been around the hood. Like I, it's, you know, I'm well-rounded in that sense. But, um, but seeing that was like so shocking, right? Um, mm-hmm you know, where people, where my friends would say, yeah, this person just, you know, he's, he mm-hmm. just overdosed or this person is, you know, on crack, this, per- this person did this, this person was raped, it, like all these crazy stories. And it's like that, that stuff, like, it's a volatile space, but also like you try to like come in here and say, you know, hey, stop peeing in the, sh- in the, in the steps and they're going to come after you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's very, it's, unfortunately it's it's almost like and that's why people kind of throw up their hands in these in this yeah. sense because you don't like in a way like if let's say this, we were all living in the building right and we and we're trying and we're come this is our meeting and we're trying to figure out how we're going to fix the you know the issue of the electricity or the issue of the you know the steps you try to do you try to do things in the building and or, or put flowers it, it literally someone's cigarette but you know weeds is in there you know what i mean like it's like unfortunately it's it's deeper than beautification I think, projects i think i think hold on one second i also feel like though that that is a cop-out because i have been in the polo grounds as a community organizer and i ain't from this city but i know how to speak to our people but also it's like we should be informed. And I think that's what we miss, right? It's like we go into the hoods and and have this paternalistic attitude about what they need to be doing. And that angers me because these people have value. You know what I mean? They have opinions and we need to be asking them what they want to see change and and then go from there, including the youth. The youth is often overlooked. You know, even if you're a a drug dealer or you're a corner boy or whatever, you still have value. Your opinion still matters. And we need to continue to engage them and see what they need in order for them to love and appreciate and respect their elders and their community and feel like they actually have something to contribute. So sometimes I just feel like we adopt these very paternalistic, in my opinion, white supremacist sort of Mm -hmm. ideals on what is okay and right and how we should all be orderly and everyone mm-hmm. should act this way and mm-hmm. lose the value you know what i'm saying of the people that's mm-hmm. living it every day i've been mm-hmm. cut out at a community organizing meeting and all my white counterparts were clutching their pearls and oh my god 
And I was smiling because I was like, go off, sis, you know? And then I spoke to her afterwards and we were able to have a real fruitful dialogue. But like, I, you can't be afraid of your people. Like, I think that is where right. the right. happens right. when you start to make it. You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden now there's this gap, there's a space, we're above. And that's, I don't know how we break through that ourselves Le- first. My mother still lives in the apartment that I grew up in. And okay. I, still have, I still have friends when I visit my mother uh, that still live in the apartment uh, that they were raised in. And... Honestly, it breaks my heart. You know, I'm 42 years old and I have friends that I grew up with look 59. Mm-hmm. And it's hard living, mm-hmm. hard life, and you're not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I am fortunate that I have a career that I work with nonprofits that I like to say are doing God's work and trying to provide, you know, the necessary programs and resources uh, to these communities. But again, you know, with many conversations with Nora over these past couple of weeks, you know, those who are blessed, we need to do more. And we just can't sit by and continue to go to brunch where people are being massacred. Well, that's a, I mean, I like the, I like, I like the, 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 the CTA, the call to action that you have you know, stop spending money, um, stop one Sunday, don't go to, out to brunch and use that money for good. You know, I think that's a, that's a good idea, actually. That might be something that people need to, someone needs to take this idea and run with right. it. That might be, I could see that. I could see that instead of like the, remember the ice water challenge that everybody was doing that mm-hmm, summer? Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to do, start this and maybe that can help um, our communities. Hmm. I'm all for it. I just also know that our community, I, I'm, you know, I kind of go back and forth because one, one side of the fence, I'm like, you know, it's not their fault because I know what's, I know what's against them, what's against them since they were born, right? You, you know, going to, going to school is like going in the safari where you have to battle the drug dealer, the violence, the gangs, the this, and then going into your classroom and not being valued and, and not having the proper education. Can, so you're can almost- I challenge? You're, Sorry? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, no, I gotta no. challenge you. I gotta challenge Please. you on this. Please. We have a lot of talk about what's wrong in our communities and we have a lot of say, well, what do you expect them to do when we were having, you know, uh, our fireworks, a bonanza, uh, you know, throughout the city and throughout the country, you know, are many of your friends. Well, what do you expect? Like, we don't use the word accountability. And, you know, one of my best friends, her husband said this great quote. He said, it's easier to make the right decision when your belly is full. Mm. And when your belly is not full, you don't make the best decisions in life. And I respect that. And that's real. However, we have to be able to catch that young black man, that young sister, that mother, that father, where they feel they are to a point in their life and they have a sense of hopelessness that they are willing to take a life. They are willing to disrespect life. And we got to change our conversation of well, what do you expect them to do? Like, people got to take accountability and be accountable of their actions. And mm-hmm. we got to make, we have to have them own it. But even in owning it, 
it's like and I and I get that but it's going to be hard to reach them when they're moving from a place of desperation and how do we help to extinguish this desperate like approach that they have to life you know what I mean like that's where I feel like the challenge really comes in and that's a real point Nora it's catching them before they get to that point Mm -hmm. and when you talk about catching them before they get to that point it's early childhood education I know Mm -hmm. the mayor mayor de Blasio had an initiative where a mother and it was going to start in uh, Kings County uh, where a mother uh, will receive uh, or be visited by a social worker uh, and during her pregnancy to kind of provide her with the resources that she need during her, the pregnancy mm-hmm. to make sure she has a positive birth. So it's catching up to your point, Nora, before they get to that point of desperation. And again, that's just not on government. That has to be on us as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, I mean, I think we, we've got a, we, we, I know we all talk about the problem and I, and I think what you're saying from what I'm understanding is um, we have to do more as the privileged folks, the ones that have, that have a little bit more. Um, And I agree with that. I think that's definitely, that calls for us as, you know, you know, people who are in their twenties, thirties and beyond, and those who are even younger um, to take some time to, you know, pay attention to what's happening in the inner city and how they can, you know, be of help, you know? And one of the things that is interesting because um, I've had this conversation in the past with a lot of my friends and one of my friends who's from the Bronx and, and how he doesn't, he's like, you know, you don't understand because we had this big conversation about, well, you know, why can't people, I, I was saying, why, do, why are people specifically, um, Oh, I'm, we're going to pause for one second. One second. Yeah, so I love what we're saying here. We got to continue to do um, some more digging in our, our communities and um, take more accountability in our communities. And for those who can help, we should, we should start doing more to help those around us. Um, so I'm going to get into the next topic. Uh, I want to talk about, this is a big, topic because this is another one I was reading a couple of um, articles like Washington Post had an article about this and just you know you know one of our favorite podcasters that we listen to um, uh, Joe Rogan he kind of brings this up all the time too um, about the Black Lives Matter movement and Mm -hmm. the question is uh, has Black Lives Matter failed to raise outrage about Black Americans killing other Black Americans um, does police brutality affect Black communities more than gun violence in the inner cities? Again, I, it irritates. <laughs> this, this is just so irritating. Because yeah. it's not like that wasn't the mission and the purpose of Black Lives Matter, right? It was to raise awareness on police brutality, period. Right. So Stop we can talk there. about the Done. evolution. <laughs> if we want to evolve it into that, and maybe that's the where it should evolve into, but we didn't even get through the first mission. We still don't have convictions. So, you know, Breonna Taylor's freaking police officers are still police officers. So, like, to then pivot and make this conversation about this feels very distracting, and we can do both, right? It doesn't all have to be on Absolutely. the back of this one movement. That's, that's my opinion. No, I, Nora, I agree with you. Uh, oh, you agree? Okay. Again, yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. Oh, hard. Okay. <laughs> 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 
thought I was gonna but, hear some back. I but, thought I was gonna hear Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> I, I think we gotta have parallel tracks. Mm. You know, you can't, you know, call to action on the law enforcement community and stand idle to the violence that are going on in our community as well. That's done by our own hands. Like you, you, you can't like, yes, black the movement of Black Lives Matter. Yes, they wanna focus on uh, police reform and police brutality. Absolutely have at it, that's your mission. However, you can't be quiet or just uh, you can't be quiet and see nine black men gunned down over the course of a holiday weekend, a one-year-old shot in a park, the violence see, that are, is going on in Chicago. You, you, can't, you, you can't be idle. Can, and I have can a I, what do you want them to do? What do you want the organization, what do you want Black Lives Matter to do about that? Like, what specifically? I, no, so I'm not talking about in this piece. I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter. Okay, like, okay. They're on a different track. I'm talking about... Whole, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't hold different track. But I'm talking about everybody else who is quick to post Black Lives Matter, the blackout on uh, Instagram, buy black business, and don't speak truth to power on the atrocities that some of our members of our community, our brothers and sisters so are doing to themselves. On, on this particular issue, which makes sense. Okay. But we do, but, but there are, but I mean, we yes. can't forget work there's a being, lot of work, rainbow work work organizations. Work. I mean, it's I know tons of organizations. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of organizations that are doing this work, but guess what? Yeah. They need help. They Not need to help. this level. Yeah. Like okay. none of those organizations have moved to the level of Black Lives Matter. Right. right. I mean, Black Lives Matter just got to this level. Let's be honest. Right? It's not like, the, like the this city, year. <laughs> the city. This is not like Black Lives Matter. Like four years ago, five years ago, people that were like they were barely scraping. Oh my people. gosh! Yeah. Like let's not let's not forget that. And I and I hear you with what you're saying, but I feel like the problem, just like you said in the beginning of the conversation, um, we let's let's put this in context if we're at a if we're at a, a um an org a, at a fundraiser for for cancer research we're not jumping up and down saying you know diabetes is way more important you know diabetes is an issue we can't we also have to fix certain things and i think more what you're saying i agree with is we've got to first fix what's happening i mean our tax dollars are are basically supplying the weapons that they're using to brutalize and commit murders See, to our people. So wait, we, I, I, I really don't I, think that we can, I really don't no, think that we can compare oranges and <laughs> yeah. apples. No, no, these no, are, no, no one is comparing as, oranges and apples, or at least I'm not comparing You're not, yeah, 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 I know you're not. What I'm saying is we got to have a parallel track. We can't have one conversation on police brutality and not have a conversation on what's happening in our communities. And they're not mutually exclusive because the reason why we have a heavy law enforcement presence in our communities mm. is because of the level of crime in our communities. Mm. And, you know, mm. we had this mm -mm. whole point. No, no, no. No, no, I got to hear this. No, Nora, you have the mic. I want to hear this. No, because we are over-policed in our communities. You think that these white neighborhoods aren't committing the same crimes? They're not over-policed so the same way that we are. How many shootings were in Riverdale? 
I don't know. Nora. Is it being reported on? Wait, what did he? What was Nora your question? Riverdale. We're talking. No, no, we're not. We're not talking about murders. We're talking about crime. You did not say murders. You said crime. No. So let's be clear. Okay. We, nope. Nope. Right. Nope. We're not going to do okay. this because okay, so the reason why we have this police presence. How many? We're not talking about murder. Crimes? We're talking about crime. Yeah. Right. Okay. We're talking about the crime, crime. of shootings. Okay. Legal guns. How many yes. shootings are in Riverdale? How many shootings are in 96 on York? How many deaths were in other Battery Park City, Park Slope? Uh, this is, this is Gramercy Park. the issue. You mentioned the reason why police presence is so heavy in our communities is because the rate at which Black people are committing crimes, which is not true because white Laura. people are committing crimes as well, but there are not over-policing in those neighborhoods to know. If you're in suburbia and you got this little young 16-year-old white boy smoking weed, right? And then you're in Marcy Projects and you got this young 16-year-old black boy smoking weed, which one do you think is gonna get arrested? And why? Because there's a police presence. So that's why I'm like, I don't, I, just hearing like, that's why police came in. That's not, that's not why police came in. Okay, the so- The reason why black communities are over So. And between 2000, I want to say two to 2009, it was disbanded. Uh, the NYPD had this initiative called uh, Operation Impact Zone, where mm -hmm. you had levels of crime in certain communities. And in order to combat that, they flooded those com communities. So that's robberies that's shootings, that's uh, assaults, that's um, uh, robber uh, again, robberies. So if you have all these crime indexes happening in unfortunately poor communities, which is at least in New York City, mostly populated by black and brown, you're gonna put resources there. You can't tell me South Bronx has less crime than Riverdale and they're not reporting it. Like, we're not being real if you want to make that statement. That's not, you that's can't not it. That's not it. But what I'm saying is it's not like black people are more or brown people are more violent. Criminal. We're right. Not, more violent. I'm, I'm, not saying, criminal. I'm not saying that we are more violent or criminal. It's a socioeconomic issue. It's just dire, dire resources. I think it's just more so that the resources point, are yes, lower resources. in communities. Yes, you're right. But crime is being committed. So if crime is being committed, regardless of the variable why it's being committed, you're going to deploy law enforcement resources to that community to combat that crime. If crime is not being committed in Riverdale, you're not going to police Riverdale the same way you're going to police Bed-Stuy. Like, See, again, is that the broken windows theory? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because we. Well, no, we actually, that's the broken, not the broken window. windows. That's not the broken. No, it is because windows. that's what it. They're they're here. They're here in in our in our air communities because they see a broken window and they say crime happens. That's something that New York. No, I mean, since broken, Giuliani, that was what he practiced. Broken win broken windows theory was a, a strategy in policing that if you aggressively police a small crime, like jumping mm -hmm. a turnstile. Mm -hmm and arresting somebody for jumping a turnstile, it would, out the preventive, it would lead to preventing larger crimes. I don't agree with the broken windows theory. However- Ain't they the same thing? Ain't you saying the same thing? No, I know. 
No. I'm, He's, okay, so you're well, okay, I'm so saying I'm not saying arrest somebody for jumping a turnstile. I'm not saying okay. you know, lock somebody up or aggressively police a community because they're sitting in front of the bodega. What I am saying, if you have 20 shootings reported in a geographical area, deploy the resources in that area to stop those shootings. So That's specifically gun sense. violence, violence crimes being committed. Gun, gun, gun violence, drug activity that has plagued our community for God knows long since the 60s. Yeah, and now they're legalizing it for rich white people. Well, okay. Uh, I'm wait. talking about heroin. Okay, so for me, growing up during the crack epidemic, I've seen families decimated by it. So, like, when you talk, okay. so when you talk about like, I'm not talking about marijuana. Now it's recreational. And yes, but, that and was the a, reason that was why I place. brought up marijuana is because they don't di differentiate between like heroin, crack, and and weed. Right? It's kind of like drugs are in the neighborhood. Um, this well, drug dealer would, is selling saying, drugs. Period. Right. So that's why I'm like about marijuana. I would say one thing about marijuana that sometimes people don't talk about it is the violence that it's associated with yeah, in the hood. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who have died over marijuana, either in a robbery, people who have been assaulted because they were trying to sell weed on this corner and it was a rival gang mm -hmm. or a rival crew or a rival individual. So the violence of marijuana is very different than marijuana in different communities. There's a real association of violence and marijuana in our communities. I don't think it's, I don't think it's by accident. I, I, I don't, I think what we're forgetting is the politics that's behind this. The, the war on drugs is, the, is what's, it's, it's the problem, you know? At the, um, at the onset of it, Reagan, Nixon, this was something that they, they consorted, contorted, they consorted to create um, a way of uh, keeping black people in destitution. They figured they, this is the new, this is a new way to put them straight to jail. This is a new way to get them either hooked on drugs. And um, one, of, one of Nixon's aides, um, one of his aides, his, his uh, political aides um, said that he hated gays, her um, heroin, um, drug, uh, uh, people that are on drugs. I'm sorry. He hated blacks, hair, um, gays, and hippies, and found drugs to be the best way to eradicate them, to get rid of them. So I think that the war on drugs, honestly, is why there's so much criminality in the urban city. It's because they've created these laws to keep us in disarray, to keep this the community um, in destitute. Because, like, the way they're handling the opioid crisis, they're not putting people in jail the way they're putting mm -hmm. black, black bodies in jail. The well, fact yeah. that we're losing black fathers is another reason why the communities aren't as stable as a mm -hmm. white community. There's a lot of other things, factors that are, that are just so deeply entrenched and systematic and have plagued the, plagued the communities for, like, almost 50 years that, even obviously further, but the, the war on drugs specifically that now yes of course police are going to be there more because they the the poli they started this you know what i mean uh, and i'm not uh, talking okay. about police yeah. but i'm talking about the politicians I'm talking about the laws i'm talking okay. about what uh, they okay. did to keep us that way and, and it's not like so, we're, all i just want to say is that there we're not more 
prone to violence than white people. I, I never, I, we know I never, through I history. We're, no, I know you're not, but I want um, our listeners and those watching to know that that's not what we're saying whatsoever. What we're, but what I'm saying is there's some entrenched political structures that have kept us in this position in these communities so that, yes, the police have to knock on our doors more. The, the police have to have lights on the project buildings to monitor what's going on uh, in the middle of summer because they've, they've created this hotbed. See, and again, what's difficult for me is at one point, you're going to take charge. You're going to take charge. You're going to take charge of your own walk. And I share, uh, quickly, I'll share a personal story with you. I was nine years old. Uh, it was in the summer. I was on my dirt bike and I was going up the hill and a, a gentleman stopped me, a teenager uh, that, I, that was a little bit older than me. And he said, Paul, I need you to do me a favor. Paul, I need you to hold my drugs. And I looked him in the eye and I said, my mom's going to kick my behind if I hold your drugs. Right. And fear of mama. Said, the fear of mama. <laughs> and he's like, cool, no problem. And kept it moving. What okay. if I said, I hold your drugs for you? It would have led into, hey, you want to make a little bit of money being a lookout? Hey, you want to yeah. make a little bit more money mm -hmm. selling? Hey, you're part of the crew now. This is what you got to do to be a made guy. Mm -hmm. So at what point, it's almost like football and recognizing like, yes, we are not dealt a fair hand but you still got to play your hand. Mm -hmm. And I'm 42 years old. So I can't use, well, Nixon's aid <laughs> put these barriers before me. Right. Nora is what? How old are you, Nora? Say it. Say it. Say it I'm old enough. Podcast. I'm old enough. <laughs> She's in well in her 30s. Nora can't say Jim Crow stopped her from being all that she could be at this point in 2020. Right. So, right. My, yeah, so, oh, let, let me finish, Nora. So, yes, have there been challenges and are there still challenges in our communities that have put obstacles for us to progress? Yeah. Yes. But is enough of us now that have the ability to do a podcast and talk about these issues that we could do more to right these wrongs. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. But I'm just saying that it's, you're saying that, agreed 100%. But what I'm saying is not everybody knows what we're talking about on the podcast. Like, I mean, I, I, mean, I hate to say this, but if we played, if we said to, you know, your average person that's, you know, 15 years old living in um, the projects or living in, uh, under um, underprivileged um, circumstances, I don't think they're going to be like, let me go listen and hear what, you know, what, let, let me go listen to what they're talking about here. This sounds like something I'm interested in. No, they're interested in watching their, you know, YouTube, watching their vloggers, their, their raps um, artists, listening to music. Like, they're not interested in this. So I uh, hear what you're segue. saying. I hear what you're saying, but I don't know how you're going to get to the people that need to hear this. You know what I mean? Because unfortunately so, they just grew up in this environment. That's it. They don't know the, the, what, the what, same, what's in place for them and what 
why, they, like, it's almost like they don't know why they're actually um, experiencing but, these things. But you they said, just how this we, is life. You said, how we get to them? The same way we use different platforms today mm-hmm. to organize around police brutality, to around, to organize around police reform. Mm-hmm. The same methods could be applied to reforming the hood. Like, to, everybody's posting, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing videos, right? And doing testimonies, speaking to the issue of police misconduct. Why we can't post a video or have the influencers post a video about we need to do better in our hood. You talk about music. Oh, and I, let me just finish with this point, Nora. You talk about Please. music. I love hip hop. I love hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. But we have in hip hop a piece of hip hop, not all of hip hop, but a piece of hip hop that glorifies black on black violence, that speaks to celebrating shooting yeah. each other. Right. So how I'm, about talk about more. I'm about to get it. How we, how we talk about reform and we have parts of the culture celebrating this violence that is plaguing our community. I mean, but you could also say so that all, all I've been, okay, I want to say, say it earlier and I forgot it. Go ahead. And now I want to say it again. <laughs> it's just, I also, I pose the question or the thought at least to everyone of like this idea that no snitching, right? And like, so now we're gonna post the violence that happened in your community and your hood, maybe by someone you know, right? At least growing up in inner city DC, back when we was the bullets, okay? Not the lizards. It was, it was, there, you knew who shot such and such in the alley. You knew who committed whatever crime. And even still, even though you knew that happened, you didn't want to send another person to prison. You Mm -hmm. didn't want that person's family to be Mm -hmm. hurt by that. You wanted the streets to take care of the streets because at least there was, in your mind, whether it was right or wrong, there was some code. So what does that look like? But but what does that look like, the streets take care of the streets? I'm not done. I'm not done. What I'm saying is, is that we have to acknowledge that. So like this whole idea that like now all of a sudden we're going to be like totally okay with coming out against this stuff is like, it's very internal. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm like, like, Mass incarceration oh. has an impact on this whole conversation. Yeah, but no. But you know, earlier in our but early in our early in our conversation, I'm not so much focused on the outcome after the crime. I'm more focused on the prevention and how do we change the environment so that crime won't take place. And what would it look like? If we gotta get we politicians had... involved. No, we, we have don't. To change. We, have, See, to, we have, have to change policy. There is there, no, there's no policy that you need to be enacted in law to value someone's life. There's no policy that the governor or Congress or the president needs to run on that platform to say, as a black man, I gotta take care of another black man and respect and speak to each other with love. We don't need policy for that. Yeah, I think Nora's paused. I'm gonna yeah. pause for a second. 
I use my Jedi mind tricks to pause her. You're recording. So, okay, guys, there's so much here. Um, okay. Let's, I want to get another topic in. I feel like we're, we're getting to this, and apologies for the tech. I, and I'm moving oh. so much, too, because I had to put my charger. I don't know what happened. Can we do was, episode 38? <laughs> we'll do one. We'll have to do one. We'll have to bring you back on. Um, okay, so I'm going to get into, um, I mean, I don't know, we're, we're kind of getting into all these different, there's just so much inner workings. I do want to talk about yes. music really quick when you, you mentioned music. Just know I work in music. Know that the music business makes buku money off of the crimes, the drugs, Facts, and yes, all of this stuff. Yes. And this is something that's actually pushed. Even like sexualizing, I mean, even in the pop music, white girls are sexualized. Yep. They have like, take yep. off your clothes, girl. You got to show more and stuff. So there's, there's something to be said about what sells in America versus what doesn't. Because, you know, if you're doing Christian rap, you're not making money. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, I don't you know, YFN, you know, Lucci or, 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 or whoever, you know what I mean? Like it's, you're just not making Gucci man, you know, like you're just not seeing that kind of money. So there's something to be said about corporate America and this, you know, attachment to the violence and violence in movies too. So you know? let me ask you, let me ask you and a question. Games, and video games. Let me, let me ask you a question about the industry now. Would you say in the last 10 years that, Black artists have more power over their brand. Oh, totally. Yeah, they okay. do. They definitely do. So, would you say they have more creative control? Yes, but it, creative control is one thing. But you still have. You need the money. <laughs> the yeah. still, okay. the money is still the label that controls the money. So okay. you can't, like, you can't piss off your label and be like, "I'm not putting out this." That's true. If your label wants you to do X and you want to do Y, you have a problem. Yeah, you, yeah. And you get dropped, you know. But again, for me, we are talking about life, right? And you take a situation like Chicago. Like, how powerful it would be if the folks who are the, the, the celebrities of the culture did a video and that again not going in and you know holding hands and saying kumbaya <laughs> but in this age of social media but we are the world fans, we want to hear a, a well, 20, not, 20, not, not, not even that we are the world <clears throat> but just a straight up post uh, ig live since we always want to do ig live family you got to do better yeah I mean, like that but, that's simple that's simple you yeah, I think you could, but it's, I mean, is that really going to, is that what's going to change? Everyone's no. going to drop their guns? That ain't going to change you nothing. People, you think people are going to drop words? But, 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 like, but, but guess what? Like but guess what? The, the same way, but again, the same way you're demanding for police reform, uh -huh. we can't, we can't say, oh, but you think that's going to, like, we got to try. No, yes, we, gotta we can because something. we're paying for that. We're, our taxes, our taxes go to that and we pay and we pay politicians, I mean, we vote okay. politicians in to do these okay. jobs. So we, we pay can, them too. You're right. So, <laughs> and them too, yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, so just, I'm but just know that you're, what you're so, asking for, it, euphoric tense, the sense of it, like, oh, we should all have everybody talk about it on Instagram. That's great. And maybe for a week, it'll be a stop the violence thing and 
you hear about this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. They stop, they're quiet for a little while, and then it picks back up again. That's, I don't think, I think it's intrinsic in what has happened from generations. It's bigger than, that's why I'm saying, like, even Jim Crow laws still affect us. Like, all but this stuff is years I also, and years and I also want to, two things, like, you yeah. have, like, something like Black is King that Beyonce released to, to counter some of what's going on right and to show ourselves look different but two these are their experiences not all the rappers now some of them are frauds but for a lot of them this is what they know they did come up out of this so they're not going to talk about you know the autobiography when they haven't read it so it's kind of like what do you want and then and don't forget hip-hop started like this hip-hop started with a guy talking about broken glass everywhere right that's where hip-hop started it's about talking about the community what's going on and they're talking about the violence they see to this day in their community it's basically poetry of what they're seeing it's just not as poetic we can no longer afford to say why we can't do or that is not going to change. We can't afford it. I think we need a good. We need a good solution because so but, far, but I don't it, think it's not. It's not. One, it's not about. It's not about one solution. It's about throwing paintballs at the wall and taking on the problem. So I'm not saying one video post by Snoop Dogg or Baby or whoever is going to stop the gun violence in Chicago. But you just if it makes somebody, yeah, if it makes somebody pause for two seconds, that's an impact. If we do, instead of going to brunch Sunday and take that $300 and put it into nonprofits that are doing the work day to day, it's not going to solve it, but it's another an brick impact, yeah. to right the ship. So again, we it's no longer we can't, especially when we have the ability and the capital to do. I agree. All right. Um, did you want to say one? Nora, I was going to go to the next topic. No, yeah, I think. Thing. Were you going into the media? Yep, that's where I'm going. Okay. okay. All right. You're a mind reader. Okay. <laughs> so. She knows. She knows what we're going to talk about. But um, all right. So let's talk about the media and them perpetuating, um, or do you guys think that, I mean, mean, this is an open question to you. Do you guys believe that the media perpetuates the narrative that um, black black people are more uh, Absolutely, absolutely, yes, absolutely. How film started and originated. (laughs) I mean, I just want want people, there's so many documentaries out there. Can you explain what, yeah. What is it yeah. called? A file of fo- a file. I love movies, and <laughs> I wanted to know about the history. And when you look at how black people were introduced into film, it was literally as the violent character. The first time you're seeing a black person on screen is a mammy mm. or a rapist, and mm. oftentimes you had white men, you know, in blackface portraying a black person as a rapist and hiding in the bushes and all those things, right? So. I think that we have to remember, like, it's only evolved from there, but that was the starting point, you know? Yeah. And that was the starting point of media on film. Film is the starting point. And so- how about the media? <laughs> like, look, you know. Channel 7 is, like, always NB- like, ABC News. Man, just local Google. news literally will have yes. you wanting to, like, jump out the window the way they, like, portray Yes, the, the, I, like, I agree with you. 
No white person committed a crime today at all? That's interesting, because if I look it up, I see all these other crimes, you know? It's interesting, the stories they tell. Even to the, even to the point of, till, I mean, this is, they've gotten better at this, but I remember in the 90s, they would always show the face of the black man, like, walking to the, um, like, the police precinct. But the black, the white person would get to cover his face. And I never, I never understood why that was. They would hide him, they put something over him or cover mm-hmm. him. And, and it's not like he was a, a minor, it was just an, an adult, but they just cover, they, they always protected that. So, well, I, you know, to the, the other piece, look, you know, white collar crime is treated very differently than other, than other crime is prosecuted differently. Yeah. If you have money and privilege, you know, instead of doing the perp walk and cuffs, you know, they're going to take you outside in the back. Yeah. It's it's treated differently. Mm -hmm. So to, you know, our brothers and sisters that are now executives in that industry, we got to take incremental steps to change um, some of those practices. And especially to now in this movement where everybody's getting called out for racist statements, racist mm-hmm. videos that, like, I saw it today that Ryan Reynolds is apologizing for having his uh, wedding on a plant, a former plantation in <laughs> 2012. Wow. So a lot- I went to a wedding <laughs> on a plantation. <laughs> what? There's a lot of... <laughs> It's a lot of, my friend a lot got of married. going on right now. Oh, it's my God. I'm glad I don't know no people that would do no crap like that. <laughs> you know, so, you just might not be my friends. You're looking, you're like, um, in mm. South Carolina. Okay. Like, do you guys remember was, that uh, amusement mm. park that was in, uh, what, Williamsburg? Virginia uh-huh. talking about uh, the... the Astroland? The Colonial, no. No, no, the Colonial oh. Museum, not the museum, the oh. amusement uh, park. It was like, it was a colonial theme park. Okay. No. I no, don't remember I don't this. Remember uh, that. No. Uh, oh okay, my gosh. Do they have slides? Like they used to be like <laughs> commercials of it. Colonial theme park. Yeah, you'll look it up. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I think another another thing that's interesting with with police um, you know, another thing, and thankfully, as of recent, I, I feel like they have they kind of stopped doing this. Um, when you see a victim that is, you know, uh, killed by a uh, police officer, they typically go down the list and find the rap sheet and find, oh, he stole, he was six years old, he did steal something, (laughs) you know what I mean? So they post where they find pictures that make them look incriminating, you know? So it's just- That was very much uh, a Giuliani tactic in the 90s, yeah. Giuliani started that uh, where, Again, uh, they will show uh, victims or the victim's rap sheet and try to say, well, he was this person, he was that person. So they justify the actions of the cops, which is so just the last, So, Paul, the last episode, um, we talked about um, abolishing the police and, you know, just that whole conversation. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's interesting about this is the issue we have in America about whether or not someone deserves to live or not, right? And so it's like, oh, if you've committed a crime, your life doesn't have value. And so it's okay that you got killed because you weren't a good person anyways. Look at what you did in 92. And, and I want to know like the origins of like, 
when we started, you know, losing the value of life for all people. I mean, it's it's wild well, to me. Well, 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 Nora, since the dawn of time, right? Where, <laughs> where you see civilizations having slavery or you see, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, different cultures having a caste system. You know, value right. is put higher right. on people than it's a unfortunately. Well, like, we've like evolved so, so much as you. No, we have like, not. We no, we have see. not. No, I don't no, think we've no, evolved. No. We're still doing no, the same no. stuff. There's yeah, nothing different. Like, about 19, like if you, you see want. a high definition video of a black man getting choked out by a cop, and yeah. you got people like he didn't get choked out, huh? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like you see a, a black man having on the ground and having a a cop have his knee on his neck. And that man dying, like humanity is still struggling to be human. And you know, when we talk about accountability, you only could control what you can control. And until we start, especially as a black man amongst other black men, like I played football when I was a kid, high school, college, and our coaches always used to say, block out the noise you can only control what you can't control. So yes, I have challenges as a black man in this country, but I'm a value life, I'm a choose life. And that's, that's hard to do and it's not easy. You need help, you need a village, you need support, mm -hmm. but we gotta change our narrative. We gotta shift our spirit because in this time where everybody's still, in this time where we are in the forefront of media. Right. Where people are recognizing that the law enforcement community have some individuals, have policies, have culture that go hard on our community, go hard on Black people. Yeah. But this is also an opportunity to start changing the narratives that have plagued our communities for so long. Yeah, agreed. Um, we talked about Giuliani a bit, and I want to bring it to um, this final topic about politicians. And you kind of um, danced on the topic with bringing up Giuliani's practices. It's it's so funny that Giuliani was like the American mayor. Um, everybody respected that's, that's him. That's after, after 9 -11. Yeah, after they respected him. But I mean, I grew up like fearing him. He was, he was just, he wasn't nice, you know. He was mean, you know. He's yelled a lot. He just wasn't, he just wasn't the type of individual you'd want to be around, you know. And from what I understood, he was a prosecutor um, that got Correct. rid of a lot of the mafia in New mm -hmm. York. That's how he um, built his career. That's how he built his career. So it, it kind of is like this parallel. So this is another, actually, oh man, this is something else that I, I wish I had thought about this earlier. Um, we don't have that much time, but I do want to talk about this. The fact that um, I feel like um, when people talk about black crime, it's it's almost like animalistic. It's almost like there it's unjustifiable. There's always like all these horrible things to say that kind of measure it and make it compatible. But um, when they talk about like the mafia, it's almost like heroic. Mm. It's like mm. it's like a means to an end. They needed to do this. Like 
you know, it's not just, it's justifiable. It's like, that's Hollywood. This, Hollywood. You know what I mean? But, but that's another right. thing. But even think about that. Even the fact that it's Hollywood, think about the fact that it's so, like, this is another form of racism. Like, they found a way to, to make money off of the criminals. Like, Harley Davidson used to be a gang. They used to be gangs, white gang members. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Kugo Slam members. I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly their origins, but I know they were a gang. And now they monetize off of their gangs. There's motorcycles, there's uh, cl- clubs, there's organizations. You know, mafia, they, they didn't just kill people, they decapitated people. Like, they were, de- they were like... The cartel. Violent, violently killing people in the streets, organized right yep. which is even worse because when you think about black crime it's usually pretty sporadic it's kind of it's not like it's not well thought out it's just you know i'm hungry i gotta go stab or kill someone uh, I, I i disagree with that yeah i, <laughs> I was yeah, like, eh, like they just pulled yeah. up to a funeral you know in so, chicago and killed 12 you know, people uh, that uh, was crazy you know, yeah but it was also like, people there that probably were again I mean, you. Pro- I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to the rules, and I don't want to make it sound like one who's worse than ever. But I do want to. I just want to. No, but your point is valid. Fact, your point is valid. Highlight the fact that there is mafia crime. Like, let's talk. You want to talk? About, okay, you brought up um, Chicago. Very good point. Why don't we ever talk about Chicago and its origins of violence from the mafia? Mafia mm-hmm. started there. The reason why gang members started is to protect themselves from the police. The, the mafia, the mafia took over. They owned Chicago. Mm-hmm. So if the if the if the state, the city is 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 ran by corruption, you think that the black people uh, of today don't have any remnants of what they went through, what they had to do to survive, what kind of work they had access to, like let's the racism that they had to deal with, like all of this stuff connects to something. I don't think it's just. And then let's not forget about the the, organ, the 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 politicians, which I'm trying to get to this topic. The politicians <laughs> who divest the money out of education, divest the money out of programs, divest the money out of, and can continue to put it into um, the police and things that don't help uh, the community, wait, 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 the people. Well, I'm sorry, I said a lot. <laughs> well, in, the, in, the, in New York City, DOE's budget. Nora, please correct me if I'm saying this. DOE's budget is bigger than the NYPD's, correct? Yes, yes. Oh, really? Uh, it, yes, yes. Department of Education and is about my, a third of the city's budget. We also have a thousand schools and over a million children. So, yes, So, um, every year that I've been in politics and government, the state's budget is April 1st. The city's <laughs> budget is June 30th, going to the fiscal year of July 1st. I've never seen a press release talking about cuts to education. I think we don't spend our dollars efficiently. Programs? Education, there's no cuts. Okay, I'm going to look it up while you talk. Continue, excuse me. I won't cut you off. I have never... I've never you mean seen headlines, but it's happened. Yeah. Yes. But, 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 but Nora, your time in government, have you ever seen... The, we're not counting this year. Have you ever seen the deal, DOE's budget less than the previous year, fiscal year? No, I've so seen it I, remain, hold on. I've seen it remain the same. And the DOE does an amazing job of having huge budget codes 
so that they move money around, right? So like classroom money may have decreased, but administrative money may have increased, which balanced it out. It's really divesting. The point is programs, but inner city, I mean, and let's- But also just sorry to that point, New York state does not pay all of their schools the right amount per pupil per student. There is still a deficit for schools. They are still not given what they're owed, so. Right. But can we talk about Chicago and the inner city community, like the actual programs that they divest into other, um, so maybe that's where the money's being divested. I mean, we can talk about, listen, let's, let's talk about, that goes back to media, that goes back to the culture of the mafia. It's highly glorified, right? I mean, there's a new Netflix documentary on on New York right now in the mafia. And it's already, like, the trailer looks amazing, right? And it it, is- Can we we now lose focus, guys? Like, and and I say this respectfully. Sure. Again, I want to take it back to, like, a sports analogy. So let's say- No, we're not losing focus. Our football team (laughs) is the New York Black people, right? I don't care what the mafia is portrayed. I don't care what the other team is portrayed. What I care about is making sure our team is whole. So the focus should be on how do we make our team whole? Yeah, we recognize that we are treated differently. Absolutely. But again, let's go back to the conversation of control what we can't control. No. Invest in what we can invest in. That's, that's I, my I, I, I understand, but I just disagree because there is validation in being seen and, and not feeling crazy, right? So like when Michelle Alexander released her book, The New Jim Crow, just giving you the actual laws and the context at, on which why we are where we are right now helps you understand, right? And doesn't make you feel like you are, black people do have an issue, you know, they are less intelligent or they are this, that, and the third. It's like, no, actually, this, all these things were in place that got us here. And so there is some validation in that so that you don't already feel like you're start, you are starting from 20 feet behind, but at least now you know why, and you know it's not because mm-hmm. you're incapable or incompetent. Right. So right. that's, thank you. That's, that's, that's what I think I these conversations that. come yeah, to. So my, it, it can't be in a, in a, yeah, in a vacuum. But my, point, but my point is not saying that we, we are lesser than. My point is saying control what we can control. We know our issues. Control it and let's be accountable to it. Not continuously say it's their fault. It's yes. their fault. It's their fault. And never right. try to move the ball. Like we could so- do the blame game and rightfully so we can do the blame game all day. But well, we just got here. We people. just got the facts. Can we just sit in this for a second? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, like, dang, we was right the whole time, y'all. Hey, everybody, we was right. We was right. Laura, get on your butt. We're still learning about it. We're still I'm still learning. I'm still learning. We just found out. We knew we weren't crazy. I mean, white America is just figuring out that racism still exists. They didn't even know what, that black people still dealt with racism. They had no clue. And when I mean they had no clue, they literally thought we were talking in like crazy talk. Some of these people well, no, still they, do, they, they, but for the most part, they ignore. don't know. They were distracted. They were distracted and by you, the And so there's an ignorance life. there. There's an ignorance where you don't have to know. It doesn't bother you, so it's none of your business. 300%, you see stuff right? happening. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing with Black. Mm-hmm. That's why, If we can mm-hmm. give white people that kind of grace, 
We should get, we should, we should understand and empathize. I'm not giving them that grace. Oh, you're not? Okay. Or at least, I mean, yeah, we're not giving them grace. I mean, we want, they should know, they should work it up. But (laughs) the point is if we, but we can also rationalize it, right? We can rationalize Mm -hmm. why they had their blinders because great, this is um, John Stewart. Oh, sorry. John Stewart's, um, John Stewart said a, a quote that I loved. He said, Black people have been fighting for equality while white people have been filing, fight, fighting for equity. So they're not paying attention to what we're fighting for because they're just focused on getting this money and we're focused Which is on- Which point. Huh? Which is Paul's point. Paul's point is focus on us and what we can change and no, not be worried that, about- No, but not even that. I mean, think about this. Think about it in, in like actual, like it kind of makes, it breaks my heart. Black people are fighting for equality. White people are fighting for equity. Two different things. So we're at behind the eight ball. If all we're trying to do is fight to be seen as whole, 150, um, equal, equals, where, whereas white people are just making money. They've mm-hmm. already, they're already, they're past equals. They already know they're equals. They're, they're busy making money. So you see the disparity. So now you're telling black people to pick up their, pick themselves up and start being accountable for themselves. It's like, who else is I'm going to do it? To, I'm still trying who to be equal. I'm do, still trying well, to get to the point where these people don't my, see me as a, 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 a killer or an animal or whatever, who, or not give me a job or whatever the case is. Who else is going to pick us up? Like, who else is going to do it? Yeah. Government is not going to do it. It has a history of, of not doing not, it. Of doing the opposite. Not, <laughs> not doing it. Uh, John Stewart and Hollywood is definitely not going to do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it got to be us. So it's still a good point, though. It's still a very good point to think about putting things into retro- retrospect of how we are so behind because institutionally they kept us fighting just to be seen as equals. Well, they're focused on making buying homes, you know, owning Fortune now, 500 what, companies. Okay, building. now that you know that we started behind the eight ball, what we're gonna do? Okay, that I mean, and Paul, let me tell you something. You are. You are 100% right in everything you're saying. It's just, unfortunately, a lot of the things that you're saying, I, I, I have trouble thinking, I have trouble with how it's going to be implemented specifically. Because even, even, even on the, the, the surface, you, you, you mentioned the brunch idea, right? It's a great idea. I think the concept's great. Let's, dive, let's use our money instead of going to brunch. Let's use our money to One help break. Huh? That's that's one brick. Here's that's another one brick. brick. That's only one that's, brick. But guess what? We can't worry about how we're going to build a bridge. Let's worry about how we're laying bricks. And if we lay one brick at a time, before you know it, the bridge is built. And I think too often when we have these conversations, we are all concerned about what the bridge is going to look like. And everybody wants to be the architect, but nobody wants to be a mason. Nobody want to lay the brick. Nobody want to lay the first brick. So until we stop worrying about who's going to be the architect and what type of bridge we're going to have, let's build bricks. I think we have all the laborers in place. I think we've been doing building, trying to build this brick. I think yes. it takes. I think it takes. It's now these freaking codes that we have to live by, that we have to abide by to build this bridge is what's hurt us for so long and. These poly- I, I really do think it's, I think it's bigger than, and obviously this is a politics podcast, so we always try to infuse politics because that's what it's about. I do feel like politicians have a lot more to do with um, helping to balance out what they've 
what they've created, right? Now, maybe not the people here have done it that are still living here in this world. It's generations ago, our forefathers, in fact. But sure. there, yes, but there's still something that needs to be done on the politician's level. So that means that locally, when we're voting, we have to look at what these people are talking about. It's not enough to just mm -hmm. vote black people anymore. It really isn't. You can vote a black person in office and think that they've got the greatest, you know, um, ideas for you, and they don't. They're just kind of status quo, you know. Um, well, the Democrat you know, Party, as much as I, I support the Democrat Party specifically in November, um, it's like a lot of our politicians, Republicans. I mean, they're they don't even they don't even see they don't care about our our issues. They want us to just figure it out. But Democrats seem to understand what we've gone through. They seem to understand it. And I see it's still the same status quo, status quo. Nothing ever changes. Every year we're still talking about, we're still talking about insurance. We're still talking about gun violence. We're still talking about, you know, violence. Like nothing changes. So I, 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 disagree, I disagree with that. Um, I think that every politician is effective, but there are many public servants that have been very effective in implementing change uh, throughout our communities. Uh, I think, you know, people, Bill de Blasio is having a very, very tough go, but he campaigned against, <laughs> on Stop and Frisk, and they said that the city was going to go to hell, and it didn't go to hell. Um, <coughs> um, when David Dinkins, when the city, the entire city was marred with crime, he couldn't hang out at 42nd Street. 42nd Street was very different than what it is today. David Dinkins, first black mayor in New York City, instituted a surcharge to hire more cops, which was piggybacked off Clinton's crime bill to hire more cops, which Giuliani used to implement aggressive policies like broken windows. But those policies led to gentrification and led to brunch spots that yeah. people enjoy now. So. It had collateral damage, right. a lot of these policies, but it changed communities, Harlem, Clinton Hill, bed Are you saying these are good things? Are you saying all and this I, stuff? No, no, well, no, what I'm saying is domino effects. Like if you don't have crime reduced to epic low levels throughout the nation, you don't have the nice brunch spots that you like to go to in these communities that were once urban blights. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But David Dinkins they, and like even your mayor um, in DC, what's her, what's her name? Uh, Gretchen, what's, what's it Gretchen? What's your mayor's name? Who, what right now? Mariel Bother? Yeah. Mariel. 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 Um, when, see, the, my issue with black politicians who are pro-policing, right? Pro-adding more money to the budget for policing. Now, I understand being a mayor, that's technically, you're, you, have to, you have to take care of the city, right? You can't let the city go to, to hell. But it's like, I feel like these black people who were once civil, you know, just regular citizens, I feel like they should see what the real issue is. It's not keep putting, keep, keep militarizing their city. It's more so 
let's get these communities. Let's get the PAL. Let's get, let's get more, you know, if, if, in fact, if you're going to put money in police, give them training, but don't, don't put more bodies, more police force in the community. I think that doesn't help. I don't think that's changing anything. I think it's making it worse. I think you have great points, uh, but for, you take New York City, it, the people think that the NYPD's sole job is to quote unquote, and I don't agree with it, is to be a oppression force in our communities. Like New York City since 9-11 has been a legit terror target, terrorism target uh, by these you know different factions around the world to target, uh, target this population, target this city. They have different functions. And yeah. like white people, black people want to be in a safe neighborhood. Agree. Now there's a conversation of well, how do you get that neighborhood to be safe? Right. Right. But everybody wants a safe neighborhood. Everybody wants the ability to walk in their building and feel safe. Right. And unfortunately, that's not the case sometimes where you have young kids who congregate in front of the building and your daughter, your sister, your female cousin don't feel comfortable going in that building. Mm -hmm. Your son doesn't feel comfortable going in that building. So yes, it's a balancing act. Yes, we need alternative programming yeah, more social maybe services. they could be playing a sport. Maybe those guys that are sitting outside. Why do you guys? Why do you, I mean? And again, I every it's it's kind. Of, I always, I feel like I'm always going like this, balancing on both sides because I agree it's true. I don't like as a female. You don't know. I, you don't know. It's like, it sucks when you have to go into like a building or somewhere. Uh, or walk a social down the street worker is not going to tell women, the group of guys women to, to move from front of the building. What's up? Like, if I say, if you're being real, a social worker is not going to yeah, tell. Yeah, but neither is, a neither is an officer. You think yeah. an officer is going to be like, but it, no, but they're not, that's what I'm saying. It's not about again, stop and frisk. You can't stop and frisk. You can't, you can't, what you're forgetting is like, and people was like, oh, why are they outside? Why can't they be in their house? I'm like, it's hot. It's 100 degrees. Why would I be sitting in my house if I live with 10 people in my family mm -hmm. and I have my, kids my, my and I want to be outside. I don't live in a my, home where I could live, be in my front porch. So outside, I'm, I'm congregating saying, with my friends not, is the only thing I got. That's fair too. Well, yeah, you have, it's a great point. It's a fair assessment. But, you know, let's, let's flip it to the, the weeks of the fireworks bonanza, right? Everybody was calling 311. Black, white, brown, green. Everybody. Calling 311 because. I thought they were in my block, house. I thought fireworks would be done in my house. They were going to 4 a.m. <laughs> in the yep. morning. And yep, you have people like, well, what do you expect them to do? Like, have some consideration. <laughs> like, for one. So, like, to I your just point, feel like when we. Did, did, oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, I would say to your point, there needs to be balance. Like, a hammer is not the solution all right. the time. But yeah. sometimes you do need a hammer. Sometimes. Sure. I sometimes. think it's less frequently it than happening. we see right now. I agree 200%. Yeah. 
Right. I agree. And, and, we're, and that's where cure violence and programs like that are so Correct. useful because you have Correct. people from the community who have Correct. the respect that the police lack currently. You know, maybe they will one day be well, respected well, community well, members yeah, again. I, I, and one of the things that, again, like I come from a law enforcement family. Uh, my father, my grandfather was a cop in Panama. And like, so I, I come from a law enforcement family and I have a great respect for what cops do. Are there bad cops? Yes, but we like to speak in general that all cops the same way not every black man is a criminal, the same way not every black woman is a criminal, not every cop is a bad cop. And you know, we like to say the police, we like to say cops. I think again, in using the same way we want people to be responsible for the language that they use in the media. We should also be responsible for those who have a platform not to demonize all cops because you it's do not have about good demonizing cops. cops, it's about the culture of police and how police were formed in this country as slave patrols. So like I, I can't I don't think all cops individually, cops, are bad humans. I don't think that that's why you get into that job. You're sacrificing your life, and I don't want to take that for granted. Because if something happens to any of us, who are we going to call? The police. Yep. So I don't take that for granted. However, I do think the culture is problematic, and we can't ignore that all of them have been infiltrated by that culture. And blue lives having value sometimes more than the person that's in front of this building just because of the culture and the brotherhood and the fraternity. Um, a good well, example, Van, well said, Van, or I agree with that. Van Lathan said this, he said, if you're on a, cause a basketball, he was talking to an athlete, um, basketball player, who the basketball player was basically saying the same thing, kind of saying the same thing you were saying about, we can't villainize all cops, cops, you know, there's some good guys out there, they're doing great work. Why are, you know, what are we gonna get out of calling everybody like they're all animals or pigs or whatever. And Van said, you know, what well, we forget it if that you're on a basketball team if one person is you know raping a girls right you know this kid is this guy on their team he's like known known for like raping girls he's a horrible human being and the players know about it right they're not taking part in it but they know what's going on are is everybody on the team still good team members or good people hmm. uh I, that's 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 a, a tough, tough, tough uh, analogy because you do have had, in the past, you have cops who were whistleblowers. So, like... And they were punished for it, it all the time. And, and you gets, get punished. But, if he's the best player but, on the team so, and they lose but, the brain because of it, but, you get punished. Again, I think we want to do a better job in how we go about wanting to reform the law enforcement community. And the, the simplistic solution that is gonna take community, is gonna take government, and is gonna take uh, law enforcement agencies is if you have a bad cop, if you have a cop that does wrong, have a process and, have, and hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And if you have that, you will see trust build between the black community and the law enforcement community. It's that simple. Has it happened? No. Has it happened in some cases? To like, we need more of that. It's just so but, hard because you're you're going to get reprimanded, or you 
some of these cops get fired when they make when they whistleblowers. It's not as again, it's not simple on any front. <laughs> on any front, it's not in. It's not. And then again, in, in fairness, and not every law enforcement agency, uh, you know, is a corrupt. Uh, institution. The judge, sure. the judges, all the judges are involved in this. The prosecutors involved in this. The the prosecutor and judge are, are are playing golf together. There's there's so much at play with what happens in um, I mean just with crim with criminality that you know I mean it's best for my thing my like you say with people of color black people specifically I say you know I was I grew up with my parents telling me you have to be better than the white person you have to work harder you don't have a rich rich uncle that's gonna bail you out so you better not do anything to, that needs you to be bailed out from and that's how i grew up learning so i did so i believe in right from wrong i didn't do stuff that i knew that i had no business doing because i knew that if i did i wouldn't be here i would be in prison or whatever the case is you know or worse so you know and just like what you said your story of you know, when your friend, that your friend tried to get you to hold his drugs, like, could you imagine? Like, what? No. Like, you know, but some people, you know, sure. Well, yeah, I got you. You know, and- Hello, hi, I'm some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold your drugs. When you, when you go come get them. <laughs> Hello? <Okay. laughs> and how much you gonna yeah. give me for holding them? <laughs> I gotta mail her out, okay? Yes. Because okay. I didn't, that's not what I grew up with. I didn't have those moms. You know what I'm saying? So that's mm -hmm. why I have a soft spot for those people because when you don't have any of that and it's literally you, you know, thank God for my grandfather, but like, I didn't have, you have to have the self-efficacy. You had someone though. You had someone. Yeah. You I had have someone. You I had, had someone. someone. And some people but have it, no it one. It wasn't the daily. And it, it, and it wasn't the culture in my home. You know what I mean? The and, culture and in my home my, was very different than what you all are describing. So. And in and, and order to my points about She's village, points about culture to a kid like a young Nora who doesn't have that support. Mm-hmm. But what it, it would look like if the village was there and the village is there in some instances, but what it what would it look like if the village was there, we were there to catch a young Nora. Or and, to I, catch... and I agree with you because I had mentors and teachers who poured into me in a way that, you know, I don't think that youth are getting, or, or enough youth, I should say, because there are still those people in the world, but not enough youth are getting that and it makes all the difference in the world, right? But what I don't yeah. want is to disregard that kid who said yes to holding the drugs, who made the mistakes, no. and you know what I mean? Not give them that chance as well. Yeah, and then yeah, we villainize them for being horrible people when they just did something that was, that's another thing. It's like, we also have these youth offenders that make stupid mistakes, and should they be paying for a dumb mistake that they had no business doing? They were ridiculously dumb, and they're right. like, hey, what you're doing at, nine, at 17 does not, say what you're going to do at 27 or 37. And Paul, but Paul, to your point about what we can do, I, I remember when I was on Flatbush, I witnessed a robbery. I saw two young boys rob the barber, and he was like a neighborhood staple. So it was like, you're going to rob him. But anyways, um, they I saw the gun. I kept walking. Like, I didn't see anything. I got hit with the gun when they were running, right? What? And I went to the police showed up. I wanted to support the barber. So I was like, I'm going to do my part because he's a staple in the community. I'm going to go to the police precinct. You go to police precinct. They had three huge manila folders full of hundreds 
of brown and black boys, hundreds, and saying, do any of these boys look familiar? And at the time I was community organizing, so I was like, dang, y'all got access to all these kids who need us, who need this help. And you just have them here to pull out to see which one did it. And we could be using this to reach these kids. Mm. We already know who needs it. And this is where I just feel like society and what we do is just, we're doing it wrong. And so well, I think that's Paul's whole point. That's a very you good know? point. That's a great like, point. Right. Getting those when you people. think about that, that's a good, that folder could have been doctors, lawyers, future, someone, the cure for cancer was in that folder. But How about that? Guys, we don't know what's not, in that but folder. It's not, it's not the charge of the NYPD. I didn't say that. No, 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 but, but, but I'm saying it. It's not the charge of the NYPD to raise our black men, okay. our black boys, our black girls. Right. It's, it's us. It's us. So, like, you know, and that's powerful. And, and no, that's powerful. But, like, again, when you talk about lanes and what we could do, you know, there's a lane for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you just have to identify your lane and get in there. But for us who are blessed to continue to stand on the sideline, we know better than that. You know, some members of the NYPD. We know better than some of the politicians mm-hmm. that are implementing these policies to continue to ravage our communities. We are no better. I agree, but to your brick laying analogy politicians, police, everyone got to lay a brick because it's not going to be done with just us, right? And I will never forget a particular politician who ended up serving time, okay, when I was fighting for some after-school slots that he was eliminating. Um, <laughs> and and he said, Any those years? kids... No, mm-mm, a black uh, one. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> he said those kids, those parents should be there to take care of them after school. This isn't our job as a city to always take care of these kids. And I was like, well, what if they don't have parents? Like, at what point does everyone wrap their arms around this situation, including us and the politicians and the police? And that's where I just feel like we can't look well, at this from a vacuum. Well, I say this much. We need everybody help, but we got to take the lead. We can't okay, wait I, I can for for outsiders to take the lead, like we gotta be the lead. Once we take the lead, I think folks will follow. But if we don't take the lead, we're gonna be doing more podcasts like this where make you wanna holler, throw up your hands. You know, this ain't living. (laughs) All right, we're going to end on, on that, that note. We're going right. to end that. Yeah, we're going to end. That was it. You ended us. Thank you Closing so words. <laughs> thank you, Paul, no, for no, joining guys, us. Thank you. thank you for having Where me. Where can this people find you, Paul? Uh, I'm not on social media like that, but if you want to go be. to my Instagram, if you want to go to my Instagram, you're only going to see stories about my bike and my cooking. Sorry. Your bike <laughs> and your cooking? Oh, okay. Yes. I, I'm going to check your Instagram, too. I love cooking, so. so. Why not? Sir Pablo 19. Sir Pablo 19. All right. I'm Kirsten D on Instagram. And awesome. I'm Miss Yaya and can be found at MissYayaComedy.com. Yes. So no, no, I, I'm sorry. So, no, remember when we talked about getting folks who are not in our space? Yes. And having conversations like this? Yeah. You know, this was the first step. Let's execute that because we got to get up the sideline. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna work on that brunch. We're gonna maybe we'll maybe we can start something. I mean, all I know is that we just uh, I think our politicians we got to hold our politicians 
um, uh, up. They've got to do more. Um, they're, they're elected officials. We can't keep talking about the same things and not having any kind of um, just any any measurable outcome, you know, um, whether it's not stepping aside and letting us handle it and giving us the fun, like the, like letting us handle it, or they actually do things that are effective because what's happening mm -hmm. is, is that we're still crying about the same things yep, and right. we just can't, we well, no longer, we don't have the appetite for it. We, you see what happened with, um, this, this, the George Floyd, um, incident and how it sparked a change in America and in the world. Yep. And it just goes to show you how people are so tired of the same thing. We're tired of it. We're tired of this. We're, you know, and a lot of us, I mean, whether you're, you're Democrat or Republican, you know, you people are tired of seeing the same stuff, you know, like get over it, move on. You know what I mean? That's what they, that's what a Republican say. get over, move on. Well, we would like to get over and move on, but how can we, if it's still happening, right? It's still happening. And, and people are seeing that now. So it's up to politicians and us as black people, Spanish people, even Asian people, we all have our part to do. We've got to be, whether it's us running for office, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Nora, I'm hoping you'll decide at some point, you know, <laughs> at some point you hopefully will. You, you um, find a way to mention this every episode. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to do it. She's going to be a great, she's going to be great. Um, and I'll the point is- Nora check. <laughs> and I will too. So you got, you got our support and that's all you, you, you just need to start getting, you know, it do an exploratory, you know, we'll, well, we'll talk offline, but <laughs> the point, I'm sorry, we'll talk over, yeah. but the point Guys, is, I hope y'all have me again. Yes. Yes, we will. Yes. But we, yes, we just we have will. to and say like, let's do more than just talk the talk about the problems. Let's, let's take action. Do more than oh. politics. Yeah. Yes. Do more than politic. Let's do more. Let's vote. Let's let's get in office because a lot of these politicians, it's intrinsic in the fact that they've been in office for 40 years. You know what I mean? All of them, Republican and Democrat. Well, that that will be another episode. Do yeah. term limits matter? I'll be, be careful with term limits. Okay, we'll yeah. talk. We'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Well, thank you guys <laughs> for listening. Thank you. Thank and you. Have a great one. Thank you for joining us. And be thank safe. You. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye, guys. Peace. Bye-bye.